My name is Catherine Arndt and I'm the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. I hope you enjoy today's Connect episode brought to you by the VLGA, the national broadcaster on all things local government. Hello and welcome to this next in our state election series. And today I have the good fortune to speak with Councillor Moira Berry of the Mirable Shire Council, who also happens to be the chair of Perry Urban Councils Victoria. Moira, welcome. Thank you, Steve. Thanks um, for this opportunity um, to put our conversations out there about our uh, Perry Urban Councils, councils that are struggling in many areas. Um, so it's um, great to be here to be able to spread that news and and um, hopefully get some positive outcomes. Absolutely. And I know actually also that Peri-Urban Councils are doing some pretty terrific work, but some people might want to know um, who are the Peri-Urban Councils of Victoria. So maybe we'll start with a bit of a descriptor. So just to de describe the Peri-Urban Councils, um, they're our member councils, uh, some of the fastest growing in Victoria and expect to grow by more than 100,000 residents by 2036. We're working to meet the challenges of this growth, generating more than $5.3 billion of gross regional product annually. These shires are home to industries that include agriculture, food manufacturing, construction, mining, timber, wholesale trade and tourism. So there's a lot going on and we're talking, Moira, about a a ring of councils just about from, now correct me if I've missed any, Surf Coast, Golden Plains, Mirabool, Mitchell. Yeah, Bass, Bass Strait. There's, Bass Coast, um, Borbore. Um, yes, yeah, they're all there. They're our current member councils and pretty much we, we would encourage, you know, there's a, the whole we've been doing some advocacy to try and encourage those other councillors because we can all work together as a group to get um, positive outcomes uh, about the building of the peri-urban areas, the growth areas that need a lot of work um, in them done for future benefits of these areas. Absolutely. Now, and I'm not sure, did I mention Mitchell um, in amongst all of those as well? So you've got a really interesting bunch of councils, Moira, who maybe 20 years ago would have been predominantly rural, but there's just been this extraordinary proportional level of growth, pressure of new development and sort of the need to maintain um, some well-established and strong local communities as well. Yes, most certainly, Steve. Um, I, I can just speak on behalf of even moving into Moorable, you know, 20 years ago, and who'd have thought that... It, you know, to be bouncing out of the, the general area, the metro area and, and becoming um, so huge, you know, and there's lots of issues that are around building a new lot of what you would call metro, but I hope they never get called metro, but I'm sure in the future they will become part of the metropolitan area. So, yes, so many... What what are some of the characteristics, as you would say, that would make investment in the peri-urban councils um, a priority for government? Well, currently we're representing 180,000 Victorians and our member councils are some of the fastest growing um, and expect to grow more than 
100, by 100,000 residents by 2036. So we're working to meet the challenges of this growth. So ident identifying different um, areas, what you would expect to occur in these areas before all these huge developments and all these people start moving out from Melbourne and yeah. from other areas moving. So, yeah. I was actually speaking to somebody um, this morning that said Dalesford, which is in the Hepburn Shire, they've uh, not 80%, their growth's gone up. So they're, they're, he knew of people moving out from Melbourne as far mm. as Dalesford recently. Yeah, so extending, it's, 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 it is extending more than just the peri-urban group of councils. It's going, it's, it's just growing. It's enormous. And it's particularly since all the COVID. Yes. So we've had this sort of combination of um, the advances in technology and COVID that have really, really changed working patterns. Yeah. Moira, um, in your advocacy pieces, you talk about better balance. Um, what do we mean by that? Uh, well, we've got the population patterns are changing and the peri-urban peri areas of Victoria are growing. People are prioritising lifestyle and affordability accelerated by the rapid uptake of work from home opportunities. So that that in itself is huge. You know, during the COVID, they all moved out. Mm. They can work from home now. There's there's those choices. So the peri-urban areas of Victoria provide an opportunity to enable a, a better balance. Our members can provide Victorians a better balance for their lifestyle and a better balance for their business pursuits. So what we're talking about, you know, the taking, sitting their businesses in their offices at home. Yeah, right? with with that rural lifestyle sort of mm. relative to relative to the metro. We can also provide the state and federal governments the opportunity to better balance the pressures of population growth. So we're the, we're the ones that are sitting out here seeing it happen. And I know that, you know, this, this has occurred before because Melbourne wasn't as big years ago and then they developed the interface yeah. uh, councils so all all this all these type of issues have have occurred before albeit all our digital is probably very very different so the IT is built so there's so so many topics that that the peri-urban group yeah can assist the state and federal government through those movements yeah, well, and you've segued nicely, and I'm not sure if you meant it, more into that sort of first of your advocacy topics around um, kind of placemaking, because we know it's not it's not enough just to move people into a suburb, and and presumably the experience of the interface councils would say that 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 sort of community infrastructure is um, so important. Yeah, we need it is very important. We need that infrastructure investment um, while simul simultaneously supporting the needs of a growing young and ageing population, so both sides, due to historically small rate base within a rate-capped environment. So <laughs> it would be a myth to say there's just a particular demographic of like 20 to 40-year-old adults with potentially children that we've got a real diverse community uh, moving into those areas. We sure have, yeah. I mean, probably... Um, had many discussions with some of the elderly that have moved here too, and I'm sure the other councils are like that too, that as people retire, and some of them are retiring earlier and they're liking to move out to these peri-urban 
areas. So it's it's not just holiday making, it's not just tourism. There's there's a wide variety families who are looking for a different lifestyle um, that can work from home or can commute to Melbourne. You know, a lot of families have moved out that thought living in Melbourne was the bee's knees because they were close close to their workplace, but on because they got out of Melbourne because of COVID, setting up homes in these areas. They thought it's not that bad travelling down the highway to work or working no. from home. Yeah. No. Oh, and we'll come to um, transport um, shortly. So what about turning specifically to, say, growing suburbs and living libraries funding from state government? What are we looking for, Mara? Yeah, we'd like um, the Growing Suburbs Fund to increase the value um, by 25% and provide continuous ongoing rounds of funding because the growth that's that's occurring, you know, as I said before, the rate the rates cannot cover all these situations and, and building uh, infrastructure from rates. Based on that, yeah, 25% increase around the growing funds, suburbs funds. And, and from memory, there was an Auditor General's report on that topic um, recently, and that's very consistent with the Auditor General's recommendation about um, actively moving this funding through in a way where the councils can spend it. Excellent, fantastic. And Living Libraries Infrastructure Fund um, connected to the placemaking, so provide funding for new rounds of investment. We're advising, so four new rounds um, and lower the contribution, the co-contribution for councils. So greater state contribution, lower council contribution and, and presumably recognising that libraries do more than just loan books, that they are... They provide a real, you know, community focus. They do because, um, you know, I hadn't been to a library for a long, long time. I read online and that sort of thing. But you go in there and it's a hype of activity. Libraries used to be so quiet and the community gets so much value out of libraries. You know, the mums go in with their bubs and they start learning on the digital <laughs> screen so early. Um, so, so many uh, good things happening in libraries, so an essential yeah, essential in any new growing area. Oh, absolutely. And a, a real community focus. So, Moira, the feds um, shouldn't get off lightly. What do we think about the uh, Building Better Regions funding? Uh, well, um, it's similar, similar, Steve. I think the feds announced in the in the budget uh, this year that, you know, they, they were wanting to build better regions. So um, similar on a basis of uh, versus... Um, state that uh, vital um, they can all feds need to contribute and it, it was good to hear that uh, they delivered that in this their first budget. Well it'd be nice to see it continue um, more uh, um, on a more consistent basis presumably. Yes definitely you know once they've started it it needs to continue. Absolutely a bit of a bit of certainty. Yeah. Um, Moira, yeah. what about housing what about housing in the regions? Um, well, likewise, you know, housing in the regions is is vital because as more people are moving in, we can't we can't just bring houses in and not have all the in infrastructure, the connectivity, yep. the transport working well. So there are there there is more housing required in all these regions. We have talked about it on the Perry Urban uh, at the Perry Urban meetings. Um, Every area is the same. You you need housing there, of course, as people move out. Assistance from the state government, whether it's social housing or 
um, housing into new developments. A lot of that is occurring, the new developments, but it's what's happening around those new developments that, that needs to be built as well. Being supported as well. So, so more resources towards housing, but not in isolation of the other um, infrastructure needs of communities. Yeah, correct. It all it it all needs to work mould in together, so to speak. You know, we ca you can't just throw out um, housing estates and expect that everything's going to be built uh, around it. You need that once you there's estates going. We've got two or three going at the moment. Now we sit down. We go the roads. You know, you need yeah. the road coming in. The, we've got too much transport going through the area to cope with all these extra people that are moving in into our um, small small roads around our towns in the peri-urban councils. So you've segued beautifully into your next um, your next advocacy topic around job creation, and I'll come to tourism shortly. So I presume there is a priority and um, an ask of government in regards to supporting um, basically the creation of local jobs and maybe tourism is one element of that. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, we're seeking funding to support tourism and events sector to recover from the losses incurred during the global pandemic. But certainly it is also important to have jobs available. You've got lots of people moving in. There are a percentage of people who will already work from home, but a percentage that will work um, commute to Melbourne. But there will, there will be quite a large segment segment that will be looking for jobs with within these peri-urban councils. So the recommendations are that the state government increase by 25% and pro provide continuous rounds of funding for the following programs. The Regional Tourism Infrastructure Fund, the Regional Investment Tourism Fund and the Regional Events Fund. Right. So and they as you touched on, they really feed into that holistic view of local communities and the importance of having local jobs rather than kind of dormitory residential areas, I suppose, Moira. Yes, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What, what, what about, um, you've also advocating in regard to the topic of digital connectivity um, and a few priorities there. Um, what's important? Um, well, this would have to be, yeah, one of, I mean, they're all equally as important, but the digital connectivity has been a huge problem. You know, you've got your black spots. Now we talk about grey spots, so certain areas of black spots um, that have just not got any service whatsoever. But then we've got our grey spots that, and all our councils talk about this uh, continually being dropped out. So the grey spots are the ones where you can be connected and then, in a couple of seconds, you you're, not. Be, you're not. Yeah. So there's issues right around um, those. So the rapid escalation of work from home and e-commerce has increased the attractiveness for business, industry and individuals to relocate to the peri-urban region. Yep. So rapid population growth has exacerbated the issue, what we were just talking about, the black spots, the grey spots in it's inadequate or outdated digital infrastructure. So, um, and, yeah. and as I said, the emerging, emerging issues with grey spots are just, I, I call it horrific, you know, <laughs> you just so many times. I, I called the mayor, our mayor, current mayor, the other day, eight times we were dropped out. 
it's it's just crazy. It's, so no, yeah. it's not it's not first world. Um, and presumably it's not only an economic issue because economically we need that reliability and speed mm-hmm. of, of um, digital processing, but also there's an equity issue in terms of um, communities having basically the same access to you know national national digital grid if you like yeah definitely i mean you know there's so many things that can go wrong you know if if somebody's needing to get on the jump on the phone to get an ambulance to someone and you you're dropping out it's just not just not sufficient there's lots of different reasons so yeah so i'm hearing you say that it's not enough to have a system that just barely works um for our population generally but for example, would be disaster ready or crowd ready um, if there's a surge. Yes, yeah, for sure. It's um, yeah, it's a bad, bad situation for this day and age where you know it is a, a digital age. Um, you do expectations are that you at least be able to have reasonable conversations or urgent conversations or connections in in your work um there, there could be um diabolical situations without um that good connection so without the recommendations from the peri-urban that the state governments provide four new rounds of funding for the connecting victoria program and invest in digital hubs in our major town centers to offer free wi-fi now that's a feature that's enjoyed in Certainly, a number of communities already. What's the um, what's the underlying case for uh, for those free Wi-Fi digital hubs, Moira? I think um, it's it is an expectation. You go anywhere, you know. I can go into Melbourne. Um, anybody can go into Melbourne, and you walk into a centre, and you can connect straight away to the Wi-Fi system. So, I, I think if you if you're building these new peri-urban areas, it's just a given and an expectation that should be As- occurring. Yeah, in part of your regional centres that you'll be able to log on to Wi-Fi in the way that any other community would expect. So we're back to that sort of equity kind of uh, question as well by the sound of things, Myra. Yeah, I think it's rife everywhere, so yes. Now, what about transport connectivity? Um, that all comes hand in hand once again. So the road, road and rail network needs significant investment to improve connectivity between towns in the region and also for commuting to and from Melbourne. So all these people that might be moving out, their preference uh, would be to travel on the train. Certainly is one of my preferences when we go into Melbourne, it's an easy ride in into town yes. and it, it is from a lot of these peri-urban areas. Um, so yeah, the, the road infrastructure around um, transport, so you've got your trucks that are going through our towns that's um it's at a ridiculous crazy rate you know the yes. big bws traveling through the towns um should not should not be happening um and with everything else that's going on creating new suburbs um it's not ideal to have trucks and certainly not bws going through these towns i'm hearing two parts to this more that um there is one part around um, public transport and, in fact, taking vehicles off the road by providing a public transport network that really incentivises people to use it and mm-hmm. then a road network that um, keeps B-doubles on the roads that they should be on 
and um, keeps local roads local. Is that sort of where you're at? Yes, I, I think that's you've pretty much um, hit the nail on the head, Steve, because um, there are place there are certain places of what transport should be around in your local towns and what should be out on yeah. the major roads, certainly. Yeah. And uh, our recommendations around the state government increase and provide continuous rounds of funding for the bridge strengthening program and regional roads Victoria maintenance program. I think um, I could probably touch on a little bit about what's going on with the floods at the moment and it's yeah. everywhere. So maintenance program, you'd have to now throw in there the potholes and everything that's happening. It's it's huge in each, you know, I'm watching it on the news nearly every night on social media. Um, they're not just small potholes either. They're, I'm thinking that a lot of the roads need a lot of maintenance. I know water is a very dangerous commodity, but um, some of the, the, the roads that are getting fixed are completely washing away. So are we, you know, are we maintaining our, our roads well enough? So that's where the yeah, Regional exactly. Roads Victoria Maintenance Program um, definitely. So, so, and we're not, we're not talking there about build back better and the, and the capital works. We're talking about the fact that if the maintenance is not done, in fact, there are additional costs incurred because as you've touched on, um, if the, once the water gets inside the asphalt, then we've got a problem. Yes, definitely. Um, so as a couple of the other recommendations around um, the transport connectivity are that the state government open further rounds for the destination charging across Victoria and that the state government develop a comprehensive public transport plan for the peri-urban region. Okay, so the destination charging, that's to provide charging stations for e-vehicles, presumably? Yes, yes, yeah. e-vehicles, yeah. And and, um, and in fact, and I presume to your second point, Moira, that um, dedicated transport planning for the peri-urban region almost takes us back to your starting point that the growth of population really warrants a new round of quite serious strategic um, transport planning. That would... To, for me, would have to be one of the major things because if you haven't got those things in place first, it's it's just going to be broken from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. We then, know we know our areas are going to build and grow. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So it provides planning certainty, for example, presumably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And 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 better outcomes. That sounds eminently sensible, Moira. Just um, just to wind up, then, if we're talking to government generally and you know we'll we'll find out after saturday who will be who will be in government for the next three years um what's the elevator pitch or the the, the compelling business case for um government investment in the peri-urban um, councils the peri-urban areas of victoria provide an opportunity to enable a better balance our members can provide victorians a better balance for their lifestyle and a better balance for their business pursuits, the peri-urban areas can also provide the state and federal government the opportunity to better balance the pressures of population growth. And I think I could even touch back on this when I, I just touched on the interface um, councils, if um, I can't remember back to day one when they all came into fruition. However, I think we could learn from what went wrong 
and the peri-urban group can assist in that area. I think that we're starting from scratch and we're building those conversations that as a whole, the whole peri-urban um, group builds a better future. Yeah, and people are voting with their feet and um, moving their businesses and their, their lives to the peri-urban region, more so that's a, that's a compelling case. Um, it's been great to talk with you today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. We've been speaking with Councillor Moira Berry, the Chair of the Peri-Urban Councils of Victoria. Thanks, Moira. Thank you very much, Steve. Talk soon. Thank you.